Hey there, listeners. Welcome to This Humana Life, a podcast for all Humana associates. We have amazing stories to tell and learning experiences to offer. We also believe the best knowledge is knowledge that is shared. Throughout our podcast journey, you'll hear advice from thought leaders, gain insights into areas of expertise other than your own, and hear the inspiring stories of others. This production is made possible with the support of the Women's Network Resource Group and by the dedication of our core team. I'm Tara DeLucia. I'm Carmen Pantoja Evans. I'm Brittany LaMere. And this podcast is produced by Melissa Nichols. We're looking forward to hearing what topics are important to you. Join the conversation in our buzz group by visiting go forward slash THL. Also, make sure to text the acronym THL to 239-355 to have new episodes sent straight to your mobile Thursday morning. I would like to go ahead and transition us a little bit more to talk a little bit about um, the impact NRG. And, and Billy, can you kind of share what was the path that led you to become the co-president of Impact? So it was kind of one of those uh, voluntold things <laughs> where um, I was, uh, um, someone uh, um, nominated me, and, I, and to this day, I'll, I'll be honest with you, I don't know who that was. Um, but what happened was, it, I, obviously, I got an email, and my leader knew about it, and, um, but there was still a formal, like, interview process um, that I went through with our executive sponsor, um, uh, Douglas Edwards at the time, and um, Charlon had yet to come on, Charlon McIntosh, but uh, I did spend time with, with Douglas, and um, I later accepted the, the position. But it gets back to some of the points that we made earlier around the importance of relationships. But not only relationships, um, your reputation, I think, um, I think helped with, with that person recommending me um, for the role. So obviously I was incredibly honored and, and thankful to, to represent um, impact, more specifically the, the blacks and African-Americans of, of Humana. And it's something that I, I take very seriously, um, especially as if you think about if you show me, if you show me, I believe. And what I've always wanted to be was um, a hope to where if you, if you look at our current infrastructure, there are not a lot of people that look like me. And um, if God sees fit for me to, to carry that, um, you know, and, and for someone to look at me and inspire hope to say I can be that person, then that's something that I, I take very dearly. So while I didn't go seeking for the opportunity, um, I think my work afforded the opportunity, my work and my reputation, and it's something that, that I take seriously. I love that kind of voluntold, but I, I, I feel and can tell it's a rewarding opportunity for you as well. And I kind of like that you touched on, you know, people that, that look like you. I, I've started trying to, again, I'm not sure if it's just the, the climate and, you know, we just got past the election and things of that nature, um, but really recognizing and noticing where diversity really needs to be shared more often in either commercials or in movies and even Christmas shopping for my nephews, like seeing other toys or other ads that have people from all walks of life. Like that is something like I love seeing and I am so excited that it is being shared and seen more often. Uh, absolutely. I think there's, um, there's messaging and everything. And, you know, to the earlier comments, if you, if you look up and you look around and you would, if you didn't see anybody that looked like you, 
um, there's messaging that is embedded in, in from grade school, um, from our some neighborhoods that we've, we've lived in as African Americans that have told us that that we're not enough. And if you look up and you see that that you don't see anybody that looks like you, then that just affirms that message. But if to your point, if you click on the TV screen and you see that black doll, or you see that black person playing that lead role, that character, I have a um, I have a picture of Barack Obama, that classic like poster of him when he ran for um, for uh, when he ran for his presidency. And I'm not a, like a political guy, but that poster is on my wall for a reason. It's the day that God blesses me with a family and with children that I could tell my black son or my black daughter truthfully that they could become anything that they want to be. And if you were to look at that symbol, that that is what you can aspire to be. And I don't mean you have to be the president, but you can live out your potential. And I think Barack Obama was an example of that. Wow. And thank you for sharing that story, Billy. That that is um, it, it, it's it's inspirational. And uh, just to provide that vision for us and, you know, that um, storyline where we can, there's many, many folks that can just can relate um, without a doubt. So thank you for sharing that. And, and you know, expanding more on Impact NRG, you kind of shared um, what the NRG stands for, but maybe you, you want, maybe there's a little bit more you want to share with us. And, and then not only that, but how do people get involved with Impact NRG? Uh, absolutely. So um, let me break down to uh, what impact means. Um, so the I in impact represents investing in, in the well-being of our communities. Um, the M represents maintaining excellence. Uh, the P represents preparing humanist future leaders. The A represents achieving success. The C represents creating opportunities. And the T represents transforming the marketplace. And these are all things that, that we take very seriously. Um, one of the things that, that happened over the past uh, year and a half when Keisha Smith and myself became co-presidents is we thought about our audience and we thought about how can we make it beneficial um, to everyone and, and making sure that they were getting value out of their experience. And so we've clung really tightly to this idea of, of developing um, our, our members um, but we've also clung to the idea too of, of how can we support their well-being, um, how can we support their engagement as well. And so there's a few different things that we've done, and I feel like this is probably in, in some of the later questions that you guys are were, were planning to ask, so forgive me for, for skipping ahead here. But if you no think problem. about um, business acumen, um, we recently stood up, uh, if, as you guys know, we do the, the, the quarterly earnings calls. But think about those calls. Like, if, if you jump on that, you have to have, like, a degree in finance um, to some extent to understand exactly what that conversation is. And think about some of our frontline associates and some of their experiences. How can we translate what's happening in those calls? And, by the way, can we also connect them to the bigger picture of Humana? So we host our own quarterly earnings call where we break down the definition of things. We help them understand how we can connect them to something bigger than themselves and how their work translates to the success of Humana. And as you know, a connected associate is a productive associate. And so we, we, we've done that. Through some of our well-being surveying, we recognize that finance was a, a, an opportunity within our, amongst our members too. And so we've recently stood up um, pursuing financial freedom. 
And Carmen, you're familiar with pursuing financial freedom because it's yes. in, in our, it, it, it was a birthplace in our, in our organization. But essentially what happens there is like you learn to manage your money versus your money managing you. And it's often been taboo to talk about money, but we brought it to the workplace because we know that there, there used to be this idea of keep your stuff at home at home and don't bring it into the workplace. That's ridiculous. Like money is a stressor. And when I become stressed at work, I will break, right? And think mm -hmm. about me on the phone with an associate, and I've got money concerns. I've got all types of other worldly, like the, the, what the world tosses at is going on. That quality that I render to that member is going to be less um, if, I'm if I'm struggling with so many other things. So we help people um, from, from a financial standpoint. Um, you know, the other thing, too, that I think that we've done a really good job with the impact is creating spaces for people to feel safe. We talked about people that look like me, people that talk like me. You want to know there's this rule, into the rule of five, and that's the rule of if, if maybe it's the rule of three. I may be misquoting it. I need to see three people who look like me in order for me to feel comfortable. And if we think about, you know, uh, the, the George Floyd, we think about Breonna Taylor, Aubrey, all the social unrest that hasn't just started happening, it's been happening in our country, and not giving people places to talk about those things with people who look like them. We've created these, uh, these forums called Crucial Conversations that have been nothing short of extraordinary. And it just allowed people to show up and talk about how they were feeling in our current climate. And we weren't trying to solve anything. There's just something about being seen and heard. And I, I was just really proud of our ability to do that. And so there's a lot of other things that are going on within IMPACT, um, but you can get the sense that we're, we're trying to live out what that acronym meant in a, in a really intentional fashion. Well, and I've talked with you about this before, Billy, the crucial conversations. I And Brittany, I don't know if you've been able to attend any one of those. I mean, it is, it, um, it is very much uh, an open conversation, a safe place. They make it a safe place where you know, you can listen. You don't even have to discuss, but um, but it's a safe place if you want to share, and if you want to ask a question. Uh, and it was so um, it, it it was reassuring that you know I felt I felt reassured during the conversation that I was listened and um, appreciated for my question. So I and so I appreciate Impact supporting that. Yeah, thanks for that feedback, Arnold. Mm -hmm. So, like, another main theme that I've kind of heard throughout all, all of that is um, education and realizing that that home does does follow us to work, and work tends to follow us from home. I think there's just like an evolution of the workplace as it's come. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, uh, Kathy Eads, um, I love her to pieces. She's one of my mentors, but she's like, we spend way too much time at work not to have fun, and that's something that has just stuck with me. And so the fun part for me is the, the NRGs, and again, with you sharing, you know, the work that IMPACT is doing, education and providing those safe places for us to come from curious and to ask these questions and just to understand us and other people um, and providing that opportunity, I, I think that's pretty amazing that we're doing that here in the workplace. I think it's um, something very necessary. So. Um, props to all the work that IMPACT's done. Um, and also, I brought this up on a, a podcast before, but 
for, there was a February and uh, you all did a story every single day on high about a different associate that was part of impact. And that just blew me away um, because I know how much time and energy it takes to get something done and submitted on time to high. So I, I just felt that was truly an awesome moment of recognition to highlight and lift up your membership and those that are participating um, at Humana. So just again, congratulations. That was just a very um, impactful, I don't know any other way to say it, um, <laughs> something that you all have done. Um, yeah. But to kind of continue along with um, education, there's a couple of terms that are used throughout your Ally Toolkit. So if you don't mm -hmm. mind, I'd like to get your personal perspective and kind of get your own personal de definition of a few things. Um, can you share with us about what microaggressions are? Yeah, we call them on our team. It's, uh, it's death by a thousand paper cuts. Mm. And essentially what it is is people are saying um, things that are maybe they're intentional or unintentional that are, um, are insulting. And um, this is for lack of a, of a better word at, at the top of my head. And I think the, the best example that, that I can give is um, I recently had an opportunity to, um, to, to lead a wedding. And as I was, after I led that wedding, an individual came up to me and he said, and it, was, it was a white man, he said to me, wow, that was so smooth. And let's go back to the 70s, right? Like that's how you would define like that's what you would de describe like an African-American and, and like as this word smooth. And there's a thousand other words that he probably could have used that would, if, I'm sure he wouldn't have said that if it were another white individual. And so it's just like your awareness and knowledge of like what you're saying to people and their impact. And another example that, that I can give you to really drive home is, and this came from a colleague, and she was on the phone the other day and, and she was talking about where she lived. Another colleague interrupts her, begins to explain, um, because she lives in a, in, a, in a complex, she began to explain to her what a neighborhood was, assuming that this person did not know what a neighborhood was. And, and maybe she assumed that because she was black. I don't know. I'm not being accusatory. But that's essentially what microaggressions are. It's the things that, 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 that we say that maybe we're aware of or unaware of that are offensive. Yes, by a thousand paper cuts. You know, I never heard it defined that way, and I appreciate that. And I will certainly, if, I hope you don't mind that I borrow your definition and and yeah. share it when asked, when if if I'm ever asked. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, could you go on to define a couple of other words? So help us define equality and equity. Yeah. So um, equity is about is about fairness, and if you it, let's just think about this. I'm doing a particular job. You, I am a, uh, I'm a black male, you, and I have a, a white male who is doing the same job. Are both of us getting paid a fair amount based on our experience, um, based on the job that we're doing? Is it fair? So that, that is what equity is, just fair. Now, if you think about equality, equality is treating people the same, but it's also about having the same access to and so if I were to go into a black community, um, let's just say it's an impoverished black community, do they have the same access to education, the same access to health resources, 
as maybe let's just call it a black uh, a community that's in an affluent area. And the, the, the question, the answer to that, you probably already know is no. And so that's the difference between um, equity and equality. Very good. Kind of with that and, you know, how can we be better allies and advocates for the African-American and black community? Do you have any advice there? Yeah, I, I, have, some, I have some advice there. Um, and Carmen's heard me say this before. I use this analogy. Um, when I was in school, um, it was important for me, like just say I was in a math class and multiplication was the subject. I couldn't solve multiplication until somebody sat and spent time with me of how to work through that actual problem. And in our today's society, what I found is that like we all want to run to this fire, but no one has the fire extinguisher and no one knows how to put out the fire. And I often think the best place for us to start is this place of listening and learning. I don't need to be reactive. I need to be responsive. And there's a totally different thing. Running to that fire right away, it's just a, that's a reaction. It's driven by emotion. Let's put the fire out. But a response is, do you see that creek over there? Maybe we can run some type of uh, watering like hose to it and address it and run it to where it's getting constant water to put out this fire. I'm making an analogy here, but essentially like what I'm, what I'm trying to say is that like, I think the best thing for all of us to do is get into this listening and learning posture and also be humble with ourselves to recognize that the life experiences through which somebody else lives their life is far different from how I live my life. And so I'm gonna go back and I know I'm jumping around, but the listening and learning posture is spend time with people who don't look like you, spend time with people who don't talk like you, who are from different places than you are and begin to learn about their experiences. And as you do that, this is the beautiful thing about our world, is that I'm confident you don't have to go looking for the fire to put out, but I believe that there's gonna be an opportunity for you to exercise what you've learned and to be able to express empathy, to be able to lament with this person, to be able to walk beside this person, because you stayed in this listening and learning posture, so now you are fully equipped to put out this quote, unquote, fire. And it's not that you have to go trying to put out every fire. I believe it's just a ripple effect in which we all need to engage in. And so where there's one person, I can show it well for one person. I can love them well, I can be present with them, and I can rest with them and then whatever they're going through. So that, and then that person experiencing my love, that person experiencing my kindness, Ultimately, maybe that person will go out and extend it to someone else. And I think that's how we change from generation to generation, where I feel like we have gotten to this place where we don't, where we're not moving the needle, is that we've, we don't like being uncomfortable. We don't like knowing that we don't know. Like we wanna get out of that as soon as possible and we wanna get back to our comfortable place. But to me, I think that has encouraged, our, that has this, this, this systemic racism inequality, like, that all it has done is thrown gas on the fire because of our un unwillingness to be uncomfortable. And everyone on our call right now and, and everybody who, who have an opportunity to listen knows that our lives have gotten better. Uh, if you think about any tough conversations that you've had, anything that you've been willing to you know, stay in the fight for has been worth it. So I would just challenge people again to stay in the listening and learning posture. And when the opportunity comes, leverage what you've learned. I absolutely love that. Couldn't agree more. I think, and also whenever you're uncomfortable, that means you're growing. And yeah. 
I, I, I think um, I'm really excited to be also interviewing um, Jen Us as well, because I know I think this is a very broad stroke. So I, I do not have any any kids, but um, for some of the parents that are, I guess, maybe our age, we, we want to not necessarily coddle, but you, you want your child to feel, you know, just so loved and not uncomfortable. Make sure they have their safe spaces. But with that, you know, that's not life. That's, oh, you're, you're going to be uncomfortable. There's going to be tough situations in life. And I think it's learning how to, only thing you can control is your reaction. And um, yeah. that's something that I've had to check myself with a lot. Sometimes I, and that's also part of um, Steve Covey's 10 Habits of Highly Successful People is also just realizing the situations that you're in. The only thing you can do sometimes is control your own reaction. And I love that you've brought up that, you know, we can no longer just sit and be silent. We have to learn to listen towards others. And that's another thing that I personally worked on um, this year is learning just to listen a little bit more intently and just a little bit more closely to other people. So I absolutely love that you, you've shared um, that piece with us. Uh, and I'll just say this too, and I know we're coming up to time. I think that if we learn that like suffering has something to teach us, I think we wouldn't be so eager to get out of it. I think that we would stay in it and, and, and we could learn from it. So it's just, again, it's back to that. Let's, let's, let's stay uncomfortable and let's, let's find the lesson versus jumping out of the fire so quickly. You, now, I know that Impact has a toolkit and that has tons of resources in it, that uh, various resources. Can you tell us a little bit more about the toolkit? Yeah, I, I think uh, it gets back to some of that. Um, I, I, what I feel like is we've had a lot of people who have wanted to engage in work, and while they've gotten to the edge of the of the building, you know, so to speak, and, and if you were to jump, that means I'm I'm fully engaged, and I know what to say, I, I know what not to say, I know how to create a safe a safe place for people. A lot of times, you just get people at the edge, and they just don't have the resources to to make that full jump and to spread their wings. Those toolkits do exactly that. So, Carmen, you experienced it in the crucial conversations. Mm -hmm. Those same questions that were leveraged in crucial conversations are the same things that were in the toolkit. If you think about, I want to be an ally, and it's a great question that you guys you asked earlier. It lays out how to be an ally. So it's just a lot of great resources to help you wherever you're at in your IND journey. Um, and, and so it's just a, it's just an enabler and. I usually try to refrain from that word, but I think in the essence of, um, you know, humanity and doing the right thing, I think it's okay to, to enable people. And hey there, listeners, just wanted to give you a plug for where you can find that out. The Go link is go slash impact ally toolkit. We will also put that in our show notes and attach it in the episode. Um, it is really worth your time to go pull it up, work through a few things. There's a couple of, um, training resources out of the Learning Center, also linked in there, um, lots of really great things. So we do only have just a few minutes left. Billy, is there anything else that you would like to share or do you have any questions for us? Uh, so I, I am responsible for helping to grow um, our impact membership. And Carmen, you've heard me say this before. 
is that I would love any and everybody to become a part of impact. And um, I would ask you to not discount yourself and what you have to offer. Like all of us have a uh, unique talents, unique skill sets, and just come and bring those. And as a community, we can all be a, a better person. So no matter where you're at, no matter who you are, we would love for you to be a part of impact and help us continue to, uh, to advance our work forward. Perfect. And listeners, you can join um, any NRG, any of the wonderful NRGs we have here at Humana by visiting go slash NRG. Very easy. Click the link. Um, I'm part of every one of them because I think there's always something to learn as well as those really great emails they send uh, with some tips and tricks and other things that are happening here at Humana. So thank you so much for joining us this week and special thanks to our guest, Billy Bonaparte with the Impact NRG. We thank you so much. Have a great rest of your day and we'll catch you in the next episode. Thanks, Billy. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me. And that's it for this episode. You can share with us on buzz at go forward slash THL. And don't forget to subscribe by texting THL to 239-355. We want to thank you for spending time with us this week. We can use our guiding behaviors and speak up with candor to share our Humana stories through this podcast. Let's keep the conversation going together about this Humana life. Until next time, be intentional. Stay curious and inspire others.